Hi, guys, and welcome back to Under the Influence Podcast. Today, I am so, so thrilled and honored to have on Carleen Higgins and Jill Dunn from Breaking Beauty Podcast. For those of you that haven't listened yet, Carlene and Jill have both really kind of broken the mold when it comes to beauty podcasts. They are these awesome, awesome women that have had dozens and dozens of years of experience in both kind of beauty and lifestyle trends and even being editors for some amazing magazines such as Elle, Canada, and Glow. So I'm really excited to have them on. We chat everything from influencers to bloggers to, you know, kind of the print industry, magazine industry, and of course, some awesome, awesome beauty trends. And they're honestly, they're amazing. This is actually my first podcast with two guests on, and I have to be completely transparent with you guys. And I was super transparent with them. I was like, I was super nervous. I feel like I cut them off a hundred times, but they're amazing. And honestly, too, hearing from their perspectives of just kind of the beauty industry and also the print magazine industry and hearing the way that they talk about influence and they talk about the digital space and they talk about social media was such a breath of fresh air. I'm super stoked for you guys. Can't wait to get into it. They're also kind of like my new favorite people. I've been totally binging Breaking Beauty podcast. I love that they brought on Anastasia. I love that they brought on Dante and they talked about, you know, him really kind of his influence and his kind of just hearing his story. I'm super stoked. Can't wait for you guys to listen. Let's get right into it. Under the Influence Podcast is all about bringing together brands, influencers, thought leaders, and communities to inspire and empower a positive impact. Each week, I will dive into the power of influence over the ever-changing, trend-chasing, and slightly obsessed entrepreneurial and influencer community. We talk insider tips, tricks, the latest buzz, and even our top not-so-secret happy hour cocktails. My name is Whitney Eckes. I'm the owner and founder of Eckes Marketing and the Influence Movement. And we are about to get under the influence. and welcome back to Under the Influence Podcast. I'm so excited today to have the wonderful ladies of Breaking Beauty Podcast. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. This is Jill speaking. And I'm Carlene. Jill and Carlene, you guys are amazing. I'm obsessed with the episode of Anastasia and just Mm. listening to you guys. And I've been following you guys for a while. And what you're doing is amazing. And I love that you are really kind of just diving headfirst into the beauty industry and talking Mm. about the stories of, you know, how they got there. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started out? Yeah, well, Carlene and I are both um, former magazine beauty editors. So we've both been working and reporting on beauty for um, over 15 years each. So, you know, we just have an acquaintance. We were lucky enough to be acquainted with a lot of these brand founders, getting to know them over the years at press events, um, interviewing them, attending launches. And really that's what hooks you on any brand is the founder. And once you get on board with them, you are kind of hooked on the products as well. And so our podcast is all about the best-selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them. And, you know, we also have the glow down too, where we talk to industry makeup pros and hair people and influencers as well. 
And I think we just try to cover those founder stories and cut through the clutter of what people should really buy and what they're going to want on their own top shelf. And we've been around for two years now. That's amazing. And you guys really do. And I think that's something that also attracted me is that you're not just talking, you know, with people that created the brands, but you're also talking with kind of major influencers. One of the name, one of the names that kind of came familiar to me was her name's Samantha. I'm going to totally butcher her last name. Is it Ra? Um, Ravenal? Ravendal. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I've been following her since gosh like college I think like I yes she's amazing yeah she's so so cool and what we love about her is just how her super bold honesty and of course what she did in December when she was like no more PR guys like too much waste don't want all these products I just feel like her level of authenticity which is a word that gets thrown around a lot um, but she really she really is that and she she really walks like she talks and I think I just have so much respect for what she's doing and mm-hmm. she's Canadian from Vancouver so mm-hmm. big up Samantha <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's some, I love that so tell us or tell yeah tell us and the listeners you know how you guys even got into the beauty industry you know you're both magazine editors you both kind of you know are have one foot in the industry how did you guys get there mm-hmm Well, I mean, I think it's no secret that print magazines are dying. They really are. And as much as we are nostalgic and we love, you know, paper and print ourselves, the reality is, is that with the whole digital wave, there are just less and less jobs available in magazines and even for freelancers. So what happened with myself is I worked at one of the top three fashion magazines in Canada It was a magazine that I grew up with when I was a kid and I would like pour over magazines and Linda Evangelista was on the cover, who was like a supermodel at the time and Claudia Schiffer. And I, you know, that's where I kind of became really passionate with the world of fashion and beauty. And, and eventually I started working there and, you know, I worked there for over a decade, but sadly it's out of print now. And when it did go out of print, then I lost my job. And at that time, I was into podcasts myself. I was walking to work and back every day. So it was just like such a great way to spend my 45 minutes was like learning about something new or being entertained or whatnot. And when I was laid off, I just like looked around. I was like, what am I going to do? Like, do I start a blog? Maybe I should start a blog. And I got together with Jill, who's a good friend of mine. And we met through magazines and going on press trips and shutting down the bar at the end of the night, you know, in Paris or whatnot. And, um, we met up, we have, we actually have slightly different memories of this story. (laughs) My memory is that we were like cheersing to me going freelance and having a, a glass of bubbles I was like, what should I do? Should I start a blog? And that we started talking about podcasts because Jill's a huge podcast fan. And we were like, you know, there are barely any beauty podcasts around. This Mm -hmm. was two years ago. And it was like Fat Mascara was just a few months old. There was the Beauty Brains and Emma Guns Mm -hmm. and maybe like one more and that's it in all of iTunes. And we were like, this is just so much white space. Like we should do this. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, and here we are. And two, here we are. Two years later, we didn't know anything about audio production. I don't know about you when you started your podcast, but we took like garage band lessons <laughs> and just tried to learn the ropes as fast as we could. But a lot of our very natural storytelling skills that we used in the magazine world, coming up with interview questions, all of that, crafting a story, knowing what makes a really good, timely story, those have all been very great skills that have transferred very naturally to the podcast space. I think that we've just grown. When we started out, we were like, let's not bite off more than we can chew. We were like a monthly at the time. And then we were bi-weekly. And then just this year we became weekly. So we've just been like working up to, as we've grown, our audience has grown and we're just trying to deliver more content on a more frequent basis. So, you know, just trying to, this, this pace of content compared to our magazine days is a lot more intense. Like it seems like a dream to look back on when I worked on a magazine that was published six times a year and you had a month, six weeks, two months to work on something. It's, it just isn't like that anymore. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. And I love hearing kind of your guys's take from going to, you know, I mean, from going from print into the digital space. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I mean, we're pumping out podcast weekly too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's, it's a definite scramble. And <laughs> I mean, we batch everything too, which is even crazier. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. doing episodes, you know, almost a month in advance before they launch. And I'm still like, what the hell? Like, uh, yeah. I, like <laughs> on, on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, I mean, that's so crazy too, but I love that you guys did see the white space in that, like, you know, in the podcast industry. And mm -hmm. I think too, it's really unique that you guys, you know, hearing a beauty podcast, because, you know, initially you think of podcasts and you think of, okay, you know, maybe it's knowledge or information based mm -hmm. or it's a teaching, but I love what you guys are doing. I love that you guys talk about the products. Mm -hmm. I love that you're interviewing people in the space and listening to their stories. And I feel like we kind of align well on that too, because that was something where I was super interested in talking to these influencers when we started under the influence podcast, like we wanted to know you know, who these people were and not necessarily yeah. their Instagram personality, but like, how did they even get into it? Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. And I think that was one of our main MOs when we got started is, you know, the reason why we got into this, because we loved the people we were meeting and the, especially the founders, you know, I think founders in general are such extraordinary people you know, they have such a passion about them that caused them to take this enormous risk in their lives to start a business, you know, whether they're investing their money or their time, like putting everything on the line. And we had heard so many fascinating stories. And I mean, we've said this before, but like Lev Glasman, the founder of Fresh was one of our huge original inspirations. He came out of Russia, like literally grew up behind the Iron Curtain and shared a story with us about like his mom taking him to the black market in the middle of the night where she bought her wow. very first, like buying her perfume that was coming out of a box. Contraband. And it was, that was, it was contraband, banned. literally yeah. contraband because in Russia, there were only two fragrances you could buy. It was like women's or men's and that's it. And like, those were the types of stories that we we're hearing and we were just gagging over these stories. And then we'd go back to the magazine and you'd have like 250 words that to talk about just what's new. They always were only ever interested in like, what's new, what's new, what's new. And there was so much good content, I guess yeah. you could say, or stories that was just being left on the table. And we're mm -hmm. like, no way, nah, -uh. we want to go back and like revisit this and 
also now that we're older and like we've been around for a while, I think people very easily forget mm-hmm. some of these origin stories that were just incredibly impactful. Like when we interviewed Frank Toskin, the founder of Mac mm-hmm. and how Viva Glam mm-hmm. came to be. I mean, that was, it's completely iconic and that whole brand paved the way for, you know, the whole, um, all genders, all races, all that, that was literally their tagline and that paved the way for all of these brands today. So Mm -hmm. we feel really privileged to tell these stories and that, that kept us passionate and truly those founders helped to fuel our own sense of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. with the podcast. Yeah. And I think just something I would add too, is when we came out, when we launched in March, 2017, you know, still to this day, there's not a lot of fashion and beauty podcasts. There were certain, certainly even fewer then. And it's just so nice to be able to give these topics a bit of breathing room. And there is a lot of information to be shared. And certainly as females, there just weren't as many podcasts who were hosted by females and focusing on female audiences. And we also felt like that was a huge miss. There was so many bro guys talking about technology and sports and Mm -hmm. we just felt like women want to know this information too and let's we have we know these stories let's get these founders to tell them in their own words and we knew that beauty lovers would be interested but also just like on people interested in entrepreneurship and certainly we just joined the dear media podcast network in la and their whole mo is all the shows focus on female audiences which we love to be aligned with that as well yeah, that's amazing. First off, congratulations on turning two and oh, your thank media. You. Thank you. I love I love Lauren and Michael. I mean, they're I'm based out of San Diego, so oh, we always cool. give them a little shout out. We're like, yeah, nice. we grew up in the same city. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but I also love to, there are a couple of things that you guys kind of touched on. One, I love that you are kind of sifting through all the different beauty products that are out there. Mm -hmm. I think as you know, and especially someone like me, you know, I'm going to work every day, I'm rubbing some moisturizer, maybe a tint on my face, and I'm like getting out of the house, like Mm -hmm. as soon as possible. It's really, really hard if you don't study the industry Mm -hmm. to know what different brands there are, what's the best, what they're made of, what their ingredients are, you know, who the founder is behind, you know, the business, like why they even started their product. Mm -hmm. So I kind of love that you guys are bringing a new take on it because yes, you have beauty bloggers. Yes, you have beauty influencers and makeup artists and things like that. But I like that you guys are taking it from a different approach and really showcasing the products in a light where it's like, this is the founder, this is the influencer that uses Mm -hmm. it or endorses it. And here's why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we like to zero in on that bestseller too. Like if you're going to buy one thing from this brand, this is what you should buy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really nice too, because I mean, especially too, like Anastasia, like we all kind of know, okay, like the brow queen, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, she also has palettes. She also has, Mm -hmm. you know, eyeliners and lip glosses Mm -hmm. and all these different things. So you go and you kind of are like, well, you know, where is my money best spent? What is the Mm -hmm. best product and things Mm -hmm. like that? It's yeah. So I I mean, I love what you're doing. And I also love the female community Mm because I mean, females rock. And finally, you know, we're making, we're really taking a stance this year. So I'm, I'm proud of us. <laughs> mm-hmm, definitely. So tell us a little bit about, you know, this influencer movement, you know, you guys having a background in, you know, print and magazines, and now kind of seeing all these influencers take over the digital space. Mm-hmm. Tell me about, you know, just your thoughts on it. 
Okay, well, I'm going to, this is Jill speaking. I honestly have so much respect for so many influencers that are content creators. I mean, we just talked about how much work it is to put together a podcast every week. And some of these people are doing it daily. And some people are putting out photographs daily. And it's just an incredible dedication to their own brand and their own audience. And I, I honestly have a lot of respect for influencers. And I think the concept of influencers, frankly, it's not that new. We've all had word of mouth forever. I think the most powerful, powerful influence is always when you like connect with another individual and we've been doing it forever. It's just like, now there's a term associated with it, whether it's like your best friend buys something, you're like, Oh my God, I'm obsessed with that dress. I'm going to buy it. And I just think like, it's, they've just taken it to the, they've seen an opportunity on social media and taken it to another level. And I really applaud a lot of them for doing that. And I think there's certain, there's certain influencers doing it better than others, but overall from a content creation point of view, I really applaud them. Yeah, it is. It is so different and it is, you know, it's crazy. I, I almost feel like this is one of the reasons too, why we talked about, or we talked or we started, you know, the influence movement is really talking about, look how much they're doing. Let's Mm -hmm. get them connected with the right brands. Let's hear from their side of it, Mm -hmm. but also to kind of like the mental health aspect, because these girls are spending so much time on social media that we're actually, you know, it's such a, unique time right now, but we're actually seeing like these kind of side effects come up from social totally, media. totally. And there's a lot of haters out there that will hate on certain content creators for no real reason. And I mean, YouTube comment section, it's straight savage. No, I can't even so deal rough. with I can't even I don't even understand how people can really mm-hmm. live on there because people are so mean sometimes mm-hmm. behind the computer screen. So I find that that whole, that's very, in the magazine space, we were definitely like more insulated from any of that sort of negativity. I just don't think that vitriol was there. So uh, I I can appreciate how they get burned out sometimes and can get really down. And just the expectation on them is a lot. Like they're one person, they're not huge corporations like a Condé Nast Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. So Mm -hmm. it's uh, pretty crazy. But certainly, you know, I think back when we were still at magazines and we were seeing the rise of influencers, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think culturally there was definitely, you know, a a nose pointed upward type of a, of a opinion or regard for bloggers. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times it was like, you still see today, a lot of magazine editors don't want to be at an event at an event where there's a lot of influencers, there's a bit of classism there, I think. But I think certainly, especially jumping into the freelancer space myself, it like, I I do have so much respect because essentially they're doing every single job that multiple people would be doing at a magazine themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of influencers are even doing the photography themselves. They're doing the writing themselves. They're doing, they're, creating the actual website and mastering all the SEO. And I just think as somebody, you know, I, I did start my own blog as well when I left the magazine and I'm just like, how could they be pumping out this much content and good at this many different things? Yeah. So I, I also have a huge respect. I also think that any existing magazine editors who do still feel that way, I I think they're just not with the times at all. That's yeah. how I feel. Yeah. And we've experienced a, like a very small degree, like nano degree of influencer kind of 
connection, I guess, with our audience where we get DMs every single day, pretty much of people who are photographing something they've bought because they've heard it on the podcast or heard us talk about it. And that was a real revelation to us because working in magazines, like I said, you were so insulated. And I actually do a lot of television here in Canada too. And I do hear from people on Twitter and stuff when they bought things or they ask me where to buy stuff I've showcased on TV. We get DMs pretty much on the daily from our audience. And we actually just did like a a meetup with some listeners for the first time. And I don't think Carlene and I could have ever uh, really imagined that at the very beginning. We just Mm -hmm. were about the stories and hopefully people would listen, but that whole connection that is, I think, honestly, influencers really spearheaded that connection with the audience. I think we've seen- You would never write a magazine article and then have basically a fan who was like, oh my God, I love that. I I learned so much, whatever, like Mm -hmm. possibly a publicist who might've been involved in the (laughs) story. Definitely not. So that's been really cool and uh, a nice- uh, you know, a nice thing. And I'm I'm sure influencers like who are huge get this literally every minute in their DMs. Yeah. You know, and I, I love that you guys are kind of tapping into the, how influencers kind of have to be like the jack of all trades now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's, it's really interesting because I mean, and again, I'm coming kind of from like the agency standpoint of it, but now we're even seeing like influencers, like higher teams, you know, mm-hmm. like they totally, absolutely. Yeah, like they're having not only like one photographer, but now they have graphic designers. Now they have yes. interns that are managing absolutely. their engagement, you know, mm-hmm. proofreading their blog posts, you know, coming storyboarding yeah. ideas for the next month. Yeah. Like, they're the new, they're the new publishers. They really are. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, they wear a lot of different hats and they're quite young. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's just a like I, I mean I love it. I totally kind of nerd out on the influencer movement mm-hmm. and like the bloggers and everything like that, especially the ones that have been doing it for like the last like ten years that have seen mm-hmm. the overall change of everything. You know, that started mm-hmm. off with like the WordPress and like how to teach themselves yes. how, like how to code. Yeah. And now they're like, yeah, you know, like they've been doing it for like 10, 15 years. And you're like, holy mm-hmm. hell. Like, but, <laughs> Yeah. What I find interesting though, too, is that traditional media still is holding a lot of weight with these influencers. I think a lot of them had to, to Carlene's point, they had to fight for credibility amongst traditional media. Like I remember back in the day when bloggers would come to events, you'd be like, oh, like, why are they here? Why am I at the same event? And I'm learning about skincare 101 because- you know, we've been doing it for so long, but it's just like, that was just such a, you know, I got over that really quickly because it's like, these people are, are just as relevant, if not more, and are influencing a lot of purchasing decisions. But somebody like a Lily Singh, who is Canadian as well, a superwoman on YouTube, absolutely massive, had a Pantene contract, did lipstick with Smashbox. She was just huge. And she recently in the end of last year, I had to take a break from social media altogether. She's like, listen, my mental health, I can't keep this up. I'm just drowning over here. And then the next thing you know, she's got an NBC late night show, first female ever hosted late night show on NBC. And I think it's interesting to see that shift that they are still, even though she was massive on YouTube and probably would have way more viewers on YouTube than she will on NBC at that time slot, that still was appealing to her because look, she'll have a production company. Finally, she'll have somebody to do her hair and makeup every day. She'll have somebody storyboard, storyboarding segments and skits and all of that. And that's interesting to see that that's still appealing to someone like her who did it all by the bootstraps. She had a huge audience and, but there's still appeal in that traditional media. 
that's such a good point and honestly I've never even like thought about that from that perspective Mm -hmm. but that makes Mm -hmm. so much sense I mean having a team or someone to help you yeah 100% I couldn't imagine like doing it all yourself and then finally being like okay now like (laughs) now I have someone to help you know I think your creativity just gets completely burnt out uh, mm-hmm. you know keeping that kind of content up so now she'll be like yes I will take the blowout every single day and I will accept your some ideas because I'm out of them you yeah. know <laughs> yeah I mean how could you not be especially after yeah. like you said like certain amount of time doing it mm-hmm. all your own mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm sure it's it's nice and yeah. I also want to kind of t- chat with you guys about the mental health the mental health mm-hmm. side of social media I mean we mm-hmm. like to talk about kind of like the social good aspect you know, social media is either demonized or, you know, it's put in this really, really high kind of halo light of being like the best end all be all in our lives kind of thing. And from what we see is we always like to talk about like the way that social media could be a positive effect, but also the ways that you can be implementing social media where it's not going to be hurting you or, you know, Mm -hmm. really taking a toll on your mental health. What do you guys have any tips for that? Like, what do you feel like is like the best way to approach social media? Um, from a, like a self-care standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I personally, on my screen time monitor for my iPhone, I limit myself to one, one hour a day with Instagram. So you know how you can set make there's the screen time. I don't know if you have an iPhone, but the latest operating system, the screen time will tell you exactly how much time you're doing everything every day to the point of like how many pickups you have and how many notifications you get. So it'll say like you picked up your phone 75 times today and or whatever. Um, so I've set a time limit on Instagram to one hour a day. So I'll just check in and then it is really good. Cause you know, you can get lost in Instagram stories yeah. and it'll just pop up and be like, Oh, you've met your hour today. And I will literally shut it off. Um, or I'll just be like, okay, that's it for today. And that has been hugely helpful for just like mindfulness and awareness around how much time you can spend on you know finding out like your ex-boyfriend's sister's holiday to thailand like why do i care i don't need to know this information (laughs) so you uh, that for me has been hugely helpful and i think also you know we're just a little bit older so i don't i think it's i have said it many times i think instagram would have been really hard if i was in high school and had instagram or university and had instagram um i think that that would be very detrimental um so I think I, I have a pretty healthy boundary with it and that, but definitely just being more aware of the time has been a huge help because you're like, Oh my God, I could read a book or I could work on anything else, but being in this, in this way, completely waste of time. I don't understand why Instagram needs to have show the number of likes or followers. Like, why can't they just come up with an app that's essentially the same thing as Instagram Mm -hmm. so you can still, you know, enjoy all the content, but why do they have to show that? Like when you listen to a podcast, mm -hmm. it doesn't show you how many people like it or listen or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just thinking, cause myself, I'm a mom, right? Yes. So my mind immediately goes to my daughter and I'm like, she's going to be growing up with, you know, Snapchat and I don't know, Instagram, TikTok or whatever. And I just feel like for, for her self-esteem, like for people who are teenagers and they're so vulnerable to look at, you know, you always had those feelings when you were in high school anyway, you're like, am I as pretty as my friend? Am I as popular? Do as many people like me? And like, 
to have these apps where you literally can can see how mm-hmm. you're ranking, mm-hmm. it's just so I think it's potentially awful. damaging. And I don't yeah. understand why it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why don't they come out with one where it just doesn't have that? Mm. Why do we need that? Well, remember a few weeks ago when Instagram went down for a day and everybody was like, imagine if it just never came back. <laughs> and that was like crazy to think of, but also very freeing and liberating. Uh, 100%. I think we should that. Yeah. I'm just throwing this out there. Let's throw this into the universe. Let's get an app going that doesn't show any likes or followers. Yeah, no engagement. Let's do that. You can still have engagement, but do you have to like show? Do you have to have it so transparent? Yeah, yeah. honestly. Well, what there's a lot the of people purpose? that will. A lot of people will delete their photos if they don't have a certain threshold of likes. Absolutely. Yeah. They're like, why is this so necessary? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's It's so funny that you kind of like, yeah, that you kind of tap into that too, because it is, I mean, this is why too, like we talk about it because I mean, Mm -hmm. for example, like, so one of the other things that we do is we own X marketing. It's a social media Mm -hmm. digital, digital agency. And we have our girls do organic engagement for our clients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're spending four to eight hours a week engaging Mm -hmm. for their clients and like Mm -hmm. it like they have to meet like a certain level of like targets and things like that and like it does like even if it's like not even their own personal instagram like there's still like the the way that like it mentally affects you is so it's just awful. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I, I love that you're coming at it from like your daughter's point of view. Cause I mean, I kind of, let's see, Instagram came out when I was like a senior in high school, I think. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And it was like, so like hipster. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Facebook. Like it was mm-hmm. all about the photos. It was all about the photographers. Like it was not the way that it, like it is mm-hmm. now. And it was, you know, your likes were based on like which photographers were liking your super artsy photo. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, it was almost like a, it was more of like a voting kind of thing than it was Mm -hmm. like a affirmation, you know, you're kind of affirmed your, you know, your engagement, you know, is making you feel like you're doing something the right way. And, or like you're living your life the right way. And it's, it is, I, I, I like, we hate it. And now I'm even seeing it's funny. (laughs) I'm kind of seeing these certain few influencers that are starting to not care as much, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of posting, you know, yeah, twice a day, five days a week. Now they're posting three days a week and they're kind of just, it gets exhausting. I'm sure. It's, it's like the Beyonce approach, like just make them want it a little bit more. You know, she only mm-hmm. teases out three photos every once in a while. It's very curated. Yeah. And I think there is a little bit something to be said about that. Like, I think we reached a saturation point where you were just seeing everything all day and then you're just subject to the algorithm too. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. sucks. So you're putting all this effort into your content and you know, you're selling in, I can imagine influencers like are selling a rate, particularly if they're working with a brand, like I'm going to get this target of engagement, mm-hmm. this month, many DMs about it or whatever. And then Instagram changes the algorithm and then all their numbers are shot. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that whole, that's a lot of pressure on that side of the business too. It's insane. I mean, you look at Facebook groups and you mm-hmm. have about 20 girls in each Facebook group saying, Hey, I just signed, you know, with a Vino, I just did an ad. Yes. Can you yes. please, please, please just comment or like it so that I don't lose my ass on this deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a ton of pressure. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. It, it does really suck. And it, it frankly, and if, um, I personally think, you know, that's just, that actually is, 
detrimental to the brands too. Like I think if they were just like, if it was more organic, then they would get more people buying it, you know, but anyways, that's a story for another day. (laughs) So tell me, you know, we've been talking about influence and influencers. Mm -hmm. Tell me how do you guys think that brands and businesses could be a better influence upon their communities? As far as social media goes, mm-hmm. that's a tough question. Well, I think we saw, um, like, for instance, Isle of Paradise, which is uh, a self-tan brand. Mm-hmm. That um, It's a very modern self-tan brand out of the UK, uh, owned by this guy named Jules Von Hepp. He's been on our show. And his entire message is about body positivity, and it ties into his brand. And I just feel like that is like a breath of fresh air on Instagram and social media. And he's basically doing a larger, he's, can, um, he's responsible for the larger good, right? Because he's, he has a message and the self tan is all about, and his products are all about how they make you feel. So he's, you know, connecting a feeling and an emotion to a product. And I think that that's like very powerful on social media. And he also even has a podcast called Wobble that's all about um, body positivity and talking through mental health with a lot of um, industry insiders. Mm. And so I think that that's an example, a good example of having a using their power for good kind of thing. Totally. I totally agree with that. I love the body positivity campaigns and like the Mm -hmm. way that like, I mean, I always reference Glossier because I think that the way that they incorporate every tone, every skin Mm -hmm. color, you know, every Mm -hmm. gender, everything. It's like, it's so real and it's so refreshing and it makes you love the brand more. Yeah, I agree. Um, we just had Dante Colley on our show. He's the viral dancing sensation. He's like uses all the positivity and words of affirmation and puts them to music. Yes, I don't know I if you guys him. have seen him. He's amazing. <laughs> and he's a star of one of the new uh, of the Glossier play campaign. And he's just like such a good human. You want to just like bottle him up. And he's always like, keep going, guys. Like, And his message connected with so many people just because everybody on social media needed it. And Mm -hmm. he was like, he was like, it can be such a dark place, social media, it can get you down, you can get fall into that comparison trap. Mm -hmm. And he's like, screw that. Everybody's amazing. You're worth it. Let's go out there, take this Monday on. And everyone's like, yes, you're making my Monday. And just like, (laughs) people people didn't even know that they were missing that, I think, Mm -hmm. on social media. And then he just came out of nowhere and just blew everyone's minds. And now he's because of his, because of his intention, his intention was to just make people feel better in that moment on that day when they were scrolling through. And now he's a viral sensation. He's getting brand deals, but it all comes from a place of like, that's really positive and really authentic. And you see what follows from that. And I think that's like the positive end of social media, right? Like, I mean, there is such a good, there's such a good factor in social media where it's like the way that it connects people, the way that it unites our Mm -hmm. communities. And it's, I think you're right. I love that you said that sometimes people don't even realize what they're missing Mm -hmm. because I think that's so true. You know, you kind of get into this, like, it's almost like a knee jerk reaction. It's a natural habit to pick up your phone 27 times a day, (laughs) you know, to look at your favorite people. And then all of a sudden this negative self-talk or the comparison attitude or all these little dark little creepy crawlies start coming into your mind and Mm -hmm. it it becomes a dark place without you even having really any control of it. So seeing or even noticing it. Yeah. yeah. All the comparisons people make, it's Mm -hmm. like, 
so not like how I hear it I hear it on the daily oh I had to unfollow you know just this exasperation (laughs) oh had to mute her stories or his stories or whatever and I think that's just like an undercurrent now yeah of annoyance (laughs) yeah for whatever reason for some certain people I feel like for myself like when I look at Instagram now, I'm mostly just looking at how our posts are doing because we have, you know, we have a responsibility to promote our episodes and we want people to engage and let them know what it's about. But aside from that, I don't do that much scrolling anymore mm-hmm. on Instagram. I find that I'm on TikTok like all of the time, <laughs> which is hilarious because obviously pretty much everybody who's on TikTok is under the age of 24. So sometimes I'm like, am I a creep? But I just find it so much more entertaining. More fun. And it actually is kind of more in the vein of what Dante Colley mm-hmm. is doing. It, it's obviously kind of like vines, but everything is just more joyful. Like whether people are dancing or lip syncing or mm-hmm. having fun, it's just honestly to me like pure joy and there doesn't seem to be as much of that thing where it's just like look how pretty and gorgeous I am Mm -hmm. and like all this beautiful stuff that I have look where I am Mm -hmm. I'm in this amazing environment it's like everybody's just in their bedroom like busting some moves yeah (laughs) or lip syncing like it's hilarious so I find if I need a lift in the day, I'll jump on TikTok, not on Instagram. Interesting. Mm. I think that's such a good, I, I feel like I need to download it. I've seen like TikTok. I've like, mm-hmm. ref, like, you know, seen it on other people's phones and things like that. Or like people have sent me videos, but I kind of love that. I used to love Vine. Like Vine was yeah. hilarious it, to me. It was so funny. So creative yeah. too. I well, know. TikTok is mm-hmm. the fastest growing social media platform right now. And so I think it's definitely going to be taking over and like in terms of <clears throat> older demos to like people who are in their late 20s as well, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I totally agree. And I think, I mean, I love too that you're, you're like, everyone's like in their bedroom, just like busting out a move. <laughs> I um, know. I keep trying to think of a way that we can get on TikTok for Breaking Beauty podcast. I'm like, how can we make this make sense? But <laughs> please do it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Oh my gosh. I know. I actually send my girlfriend Ricky Thompson. Like every time I see one of his videos, do you guys follow him? Yes. No, so funny. Oh my God. The dancing is what? so funny. Instagram. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna yeah. Follow. He, but yeah. he's like so much sass and just this. Yes. Like, I was just going to say he's like Dante, but a lot cheekier. So much cheekier. And he, I feel like he like gets inside of like your brain. Like when you have those moments of like, you have like the haters, you have the people that just want to bring you down. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, not today. And it's like, (laughs) (laughs) like I literally, if I'm like feeling down, I'll literally, or like having a rough day, I'll sit in my office and just watch him for like an hour. And I'm feeling so much better. (laughs) He was just written up. He just had a huge article about him in the New York times on the weekend. Oh really? Yeah. He was like, the headline was how to be famous online according to ricky thompson the 23 year old has turned likes into coins here's his guide Ooh. what is this handle because i cannot it's find uh him. ricky r r r i c k e y oh yeah yeah ricky, uh, okay ricky thompson and he also T-H-O. has like a really like i love oh, his no. style like everything yeah he wears too. he's in the style section of the new york times exactly he's great yeah he's that's like dante dante's style is amazing yeah he was like one of the top 50 Mm -hmm. most stylish canadians or something in the globe and mail yeah wow 
But like, yeah, yeah Ricky's just like a little sharper tongued. Okay. Like he's not about motivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah, he's funny. Cool. I'm yeah. Following. Yeah. He's... Add me to your three million list of followers. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ricky. <laughs> I love that so much. Maybe he'll listen one day. It'll be great. Maybe I'll just yeah. send him this podcast. And be like, listen, you exactly. should listen. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So, I mean, I love that you guys are kind of, you know, giving us a breath of fresh air on, you know, different forms of social media that kind of uplift you. But where do you mm-hmm. feel like you guys see social media going? Well, Carlene just talked about her obsession with TikTok. Yeah. And so you said it's fastest growing. It's the fastest growing platform. It Mm -hmm. came out of Asia. I think it was rebranded. It used to be called something else. Mm -hmm. And I think what's great about TikTok is that they have licenses to music because they list the music along the bottom. So when people are dancing or lip syncing, um, they actually have rights to it. So when you Mm -hmm. add that audio element, it's just so much more fun, right? Right. Um, And everybody gets to be a star, which I think people are just really into. Yeah. Um, and it's, it definitely does, it has barely any branded content yet, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Apparently, I think guests just did a big campaign though on, mm-hmm. um, TikTok. So in terms of marketing and like, I did see some of these kids have like 4 million followers, 3 million followers. They're clearly like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And I did see this one girl who it looked like she did one ad with Chupa Chups. So I do feel like that's potentially the next place that brands are going to go. Yeah. Um, I just think, I just think in general, like with social media, uh, sounds, sounds unfortunate to say, but sometimes when the brands get involved, it just like complicates it. And then it just changes the user experience to a degree where it's just not quite as much fun anymore. And, you know, that being said, I think we're always going to see innovation. Like Carlene's talking about TikTok. There'll be another TikTok in a year. You know what I mean? It's just going to keep growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, but I do think what's innovative right now and trend, trends oriented, excuse me, trend oriented in Instagram is this new checkout feature that they've, they've launched. So launched and it's specifically relevant to the beauty industry because they have brands like Kylie Jenner, Kim Kardashian. I know Anastasia's on there and, in fashion, there's like Zara and H&M. So, and they also have Bellman and Dior. So that basically users are required to enter their shipping and billing info only the first time they buy something. And then Instagram will save it for future purchases. So it's just making it like a lot easier to buy directly from Instagram, which I think is interesting. And you'll see a lot more of those integrations, um, certainly from a brand important point of view, because that's where they're reaching such a huge audience. They want to be able to convert people on the spot. Wow. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I, I, I really love, I, I mean, I love that you guys are seeing it kind of go from social media platform to social media platform. You know, everyone, you typically, when I ask that question, it's funny that you guys put it in such a really unique way and gave examples because most mm-hmm. people are like, yeah, I think it's going to be around forever. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but like it, you know, social media is so adaptive. Like it is literally mm-hmm. always changing, always evolving. And when I say social media, I'm not just talking about Facebook, Instagram, I'm talking yeah. about everything across the board that involves communities to be able to socially mm-hmm. engage and connect with each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, I think, I think that to, to your point, like the one area that needs to grow is podcasts, mm-hmm. ironically, because if you really think about it, like it's really not that easy to share. It's not that easy to like comment or, or engage. discover. 
or discover, like mm-hmm. God knows it's not easy to discover. There's not even a category <laughs> for beauty. It's so buried within iTunes. So yeah. I know there are some podcast apps, but they're just not that popular. I yeah. think that as podcasts continue to grow, we're going to see more sophisticated social um, tools. social components mm-hmm. behind it. And there, there has to be because mm-hmm. people want to even like, you know, we've had guests on our show that they've never done a podcast before. And some people think it's live. Like it's it's like sometimes it's that much of a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for brands or guests, sometimes it's difficult for them to even share it's not like showing a picture of a full face of makeup being done because beauty is, you know, we're talking about beauty. It's not necessarily something to show. Yeah. So we'd like to have more social media options to share snippets of the show, sound bites, that kind of thing. Um, so people can digest them a little bit more like teasers almost for or t- or tr- like trailers for a movie. Yeah. Be cool to have that kind of thing. I like too that you guys on some of your episodes, you do a couple quotes of the guest that's on your podcast before mm-hmm. going directly mm-hmm. into the podcast. I felt like that was a yeah. really, really good way to give somebody, you know, like almost like that trailer, you know, for them to be able yeah. to be like, Oh yeah, this, I want this. I want to listen to the full thing. Yeah, it's like a cold opener. Um, and often we try to pick a quote or something that has a little bit of, um, yeah, that teaser element, but also sums up a lot of like what the brand or the individual is doing. And, you know, I often try to pick something that's like a little personal or something like with fresh, you know, he had a great story about how they backed the truck up to the warehouse or to their store. And they had literally spent their last dollar on this shipment. And they weren't sure if they're going to be able to like pay the guy or (laughs) if it was the right soap. And um, there was like a mix up with the, the delivery. And so those kinds of real moments where you can like, almost hear them sweat a little bit, I think make for really like good cold openers. Yeah, I love that. And I, I I just love it. I think it's great. Okay, so you guys have been awesome. And I, I'm so happy you came on the show. And I thank you for kind of just chatting and your perspectives, honestly, are were really, really unique and such a breath of fresh air. Because typically, we talk about, you know, the digital space, we talk about influencers and things like that. And having you guys come from, you know, being magazine editors, beauty editors, you know, and then also to really having your foot in the beauty industry, it's been really refreshing hearing your answers. And I love the way that you kind of explain social media from your own perspective. And you guys had so much value to offer as well. So thank you so much for kind of chatting with us. And thank you. That was so kind. Thank you. We're going to dive into my favorite part. I, I love this part. It's a rapid fire. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I make I always do it at the end, even though most people like to do the icebreakers at the beginning, because I feel mm-hmm. like now that we've heard all the fun stuff and we've heard everything from you, it gets you a little loose and you're ready to tell me all your dirty secrets. So <laughs> great. We're, we're ready for it. Okay. okay. So your favorite go-to cocktail. This is Jill speaking. Mine's a margarita with the full ram of salt. <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you because i don't like when they when they skimp on the salt either and, yes and i even like i like to be really hung over the next day you know just dry me out as pot much as possible oh yeah um, and for myself i am i just like a cool glass of sauvignon blanc mm. or i like a uh really good tequila with some lime my gosh so classic <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Your favorite Instagrams to stock. 
Okay, mine, I have to say, is Heather McMahon. Mm. She is so funny. She needs a podcast right away. She just has so many hilarious one-liners. She's just like, she has this thing about Satan. Don't test me today, Satan, or whatever. (laughs) It's so funny. And then she always talks about how she's doing the most and the least at the same damn time. (laughs) And just like so many catchphrases, catchphrases, she's basically a comedian. So I really find her entertaining. And she's trying to get Old Navy to sponsor her and has been for like 18 months. And so just the daily diary is hilarious. I love her. I've had so many people say that they're obsessed with her. I don't, I need a follower. I need to jump on her because she sounds hilarious. Yeah, she's good. Um, And I'm kind of like going, I guess I'm doing a bit of a throwback because when I first started like looking at fashion blogs, I was obsessed with Sea of Shoes, Jane Aldridge. I don't know. You were probably like six years old or something. <laughs> um, but she she was one of like the OG fashion bloggers. And mm-hmm. I've started following her again because I think there was just like a huge gap. But she still just has such amazing style. And she's a vintage lover. And I love vintage as well. So she's like often shops in the vintage shops in Texas, like where she's based. And so she just like... I don't know. She just wears like the coolest shit. And I always get inspired by her. And I also just did a fall trend report for a brand and like all the big trends she's wearing now. Mm. Um, Like there's this whole bourgeoisie trend and she's always got like the houndstooth blazers and the colored tights and the blue clay jackets. Like she just nails it. So that's who I'm stalking right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. I'm going to have to follow her too. Those are both two really amazing people. I love that. Okay. What about your go-to self-love practice? Carlene has a good one for this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is almost a bit of a cliche, but I am a bath girl. Like I always have been when I was a teenager, I would like, it was a massive ritual. Like I'd have my cup of tea. I had an ashtray, cigarette (laughs) magazines. Like that was, you know, so I've always been like that and I still love baths, but most recently I was sent a extremely luxurious bath soak from a Canadian brand called Nanette de Gaspé. They're available at Holt Renfrew here and they created this cannabis sativa bath soak treatment. It's called Ben Noir. It comes in this beautiful black jar that can be and should be reused. It's like so heavy and inside it's a purple bath soak and they give you like this black rubber stick with these rubber balls on it to, to scoop it out with. And it honestly looks like a sex toy. It's hilarious. <laughs> it looks like balls. And but you take it out and then you just like swoosh it around your bath. And I always think of like a witch and her cauldron, but and it turns the entire bath purple. Oh. It's so luxurious. This shit is like $275. It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, thank you very much. And then I indulge in my self-care practice yes. wow that <laughs> I can't e- I can't even touch that so I'm not going to <laughs> I was gonna say what how do you come back from that? <laughs> it's the best that's amazing okay what mm-hmm. about favorite reality tv shows uh, we'll take this one. I'm a, give me a Bravo Liberty any day. Yes. I love them all. Real House, Real Housewives. The really one sad thing is that we do not get Bravo proper here in Canada, so I have to watch it on a different channel. So that being said, we do not get to see watch what happens live, oh. but that is like my guilty pleasure podcast because I listen to it 
anytime Andy's on. And I just love how it, the the pace of that show and, and it's just so juicy and it it's so- the, the <laughs> yeah, the level of people that he gets on there sometimes shocks me that they do the show. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, it's really fun. Anything Bravo, I'm all about it. Yeah, we just had just interviewed Billy Lee. She's actually just been she's been oh. somebody. Oh my god, I love her. She um, spoke at one of our LA events. And I just cool. kind of fell in love with her like totally like cool. girl, like fangirl over her. And uh, yeah. she came on and we were literally just like, interviewing and like shooting the shit and it was like the greatest because she she's like telling me like all their like bravo drama and things like that and like stuff that she's allowed to be talking about first off yeah but it it, they're hilarious and i'm totally a vanderpump rules fan like i yes number one biggest fan ever love them love lisa love it i know i know it was so dramatic this week anyway (sighs) (laughs) okay what about your favorite podcast that you guys are listening to um well i like i listen to podcasts so many of them i loved the dropout which was the elizabeth holmes story that was produced by abc um it was all about you know the theranos drama Mm-hmm. And I was just fascinated because Elizabeth Holmes like changed her voice to a lower register when she was going through this whole Silicon Valley scam. So I just thought that was fascinating to listen to. I also like a lot of pop culture stuff. Like I love the morning toast. I think that's a really clever thing that they're doing the pop culture recap every single day at the same time. That's very impressive that they're able to pull that together. And I like watch what happens live. And then I listen to the daily a lot mm-hmm. as well, the New York times yeah when I need a little dose of reality you know and yeah and Carleen um yeah so I listen to the daily almost every morning as well it's a bit of an obsession um I really like Canadian true crime um tell me yeah (laughs) I I really like true crime in general and Christy Lee is uh she produces and narrates this podcast She's Australian, so her voice is like amazing. Mm-hmm. But it's just all about obviously true crime stories and investigating them, frankly, yeah. for somebody who's essentially like an amateur investigator. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And most recently, I was listening to the one with like Bernardo. Oh, yeah. Paul yeah. Bernardo That's in that, so which was creepy. such a creepy story for us here in Canada because that was like really in our backyard. Yeah. yeah. Um, What's good about her podcast, though, is that she only only talks about solved cases right so you're never left hanging oh that's yeah. kind of nice I love mm-hmm. that yeah I'm a mm-hmm. huge that's fan true. of my favorite murder just because I oh yeah they're hilarious god they're so funny just because of like oh the god. comedy aspect and like they're so like I just want to be their friend like I want to go over and sit in their podcast loft and have a glass of wine and just be like <laughs> yeah <laughs> and be real <laughs> They just did a live show here and one of my girlfriends went to it. I didn't get to go, but it was just like, you know how they have all their red flags? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And like they were talking about how this one particular, because they always pick a local show when they do, or a local crime when they do a live show. And so they were talking about, you know, the bedwetting guy and then everyone in the audience is like, red flag, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot That's of serial killers apparently wet the bed till later in life. I don't know. But really? okay, yeah, yeah, so I'm going to start listening to this immediately. They are so funny. They have their own like podcast imprint too, just as entrepreneurs. I am like, wow, bow down to these ladies. Yeah, I think it's yeah. called Exactly yeah. Right. They just yeah. they launched it not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I love it because 
Karen is actually she's been a writer for some like awesome comedies like she yes like she's so funny yeah she's done like baskets and I think she even did Mm -hmm. uh what's it what's the other one called I don't want to say Bob's Burgers but there's another one that she was like anyway but she's she's great she's and she like tells stories too about how she used to like party with all the comedians and like McSwordson and like all these guys and I'm I told I fangirl over her too I love them yeah and I also I also find it interesting that they they haven't like an age gap of about 10 years between Georgia and Karen yeah so sometimes they don't get each other's references and that's also like kind of plays into it too which is yeah it's funny it's I love that too because it's Mm -hmm. I mean I think I think it's a really unique dynamic Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Okay. What if? Um, and then, uh, oh, I'm so sorry. Jill Kelly. also turned me on to a podcast called Everything Is Alive. It's Ooh. on Radiotopia, and it's kind of hilarious because um, it's almost like they're doing improv, and they sort of. I guess it's a comedian, right? Yes. Is it's it a, or it's, an actor? It's unscripted, but it's kind of like spoofing like an NPR serious interview, but they they're interviewing an object. Yes. So like the one that I listened to that I thought was, I was literally laughing out loud. It's called Maeve lamppost. So Maeve is a lamppost. She sees all of us, but does anybody see her? And it's like, it's just so funny because the interviewer is talking to her like she's a person and and she's just the way she like plays naive and stuff like that. I think it's so funny. And I actually... One of my dreams is I want to do a cross pod with them yeah. somehow, where it's like they are a lipstick or something. Like yeah, that. and it, yeah, there's ta- there was Tara the bar of soap. Yeah, there is Dennis the pillow. Like it is just so <laughs> unique and hilarious. Uh, but you have to like sort of get that, and it's like very dry humor because yeah. it's it's as, they're taking it as seriously like as an NPR interview, but yeah. it's it's like they're interviewing inanimate objects. Yeah. That is the greatest. Um, yeah, it's 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 called everything yeah. is alive. Yeah, <laughs> but does anyone see her? That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's amazing. I'm going to have, yeah, I'm like subscribing to all these as you're saying them. So it's perfect. Okay. What about your favorite influencer or business owner? Typically, I mean, you could go with, I mean, influencers are in a sense, their own business owner as well. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whatever you, whatever, whatever person comes to mind. Well, I think Jen Atkin is an absolute master Mm. in terms of social media and how she's built her brand. Um, She did main addicts first. It was such a great content idea being, having like a space for hairdressers and hairstylists to come to for resources. And then she's done main addicts classes and stuff. And then of course, as the, you know, she's always on the road doing hair for everybody from the Kardashians to Chrissy Teigen. And then she partners with Dyson. And then of course she has her own brand too of the way. So I just really admire everything she does. And she's been on our show before too. And she's so sweet and she, you can see why she's so successful. She connects with people. She's very easy to chat with and she's got an amazing aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I love way, I mean, I think it, the whole branding and the whole over like look of the product Mm -hmm. is just Mm -hmm. beautiful. Like, like you said, the, her aesthetic with everything is very, very pretty and it's, you know, very high end looking. It's, she's just Mm -hmm. great. But somehow she's very approachable, so it makes it so you want to you support her and and um, you don't feel like it's only for the A-list. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. 
Totally. Yeah. And then in terms of another influencer, I mean, Lauren, honestly, from the skinny confidential is just a master as well. She is, she, the way she diaries every single aspect of her life, her content integrations are just so natural. They always make sense. And she is, she just connects with her audience so well. Like it's always feels like this dialogue Like she'll post an Instagram photo of her kind of like you know, making fun of her, her outfit or something. And then she'll put, she'll say, I want to get to know where you guys live. And she'll be like, let me know in the comments below. Mm-hmm. So I think she's very impressive in how she manages herself. Yeah. She's great. I mean, she's, again, she's kind of like the staple out of San Diego. You know, we're all yeah. rooting for Lauren. Yeah. We love her. So much. <laughs> she's like our claim to fame down here. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, and our last and final question, I love ending on this question because I love kind of hearing your guys' response to, and also, you know, this word is so heavily thrown around nowadays that I just like hearing new perspectives of it. And as well as, you know, our listeners really kind of resonate well with it, especially since it's in our name, but what does influence mean to you guys? Hmm. Um, I would say, gosh, what does influence mean to me? We had some notes on this, Jill. What do we got? <laughs> I, I guess, guess it's I guess it's like the old idea of word of mouth. Yeah, it's just the modern version of that, really. You know, I'll always remember like that commercial. I can't remember what it was. It was Fabergé or something, and it was like, and then she tells her friend, and her friend tells her friend, and mm-hmm. her friend tells her friend. It's like this pyramid. Yes, mm-hmm. but I think it's really about the idea of that like best kept secret or just something that you've discovered that you really love and you share it in an authentic way. And like, that's when people have trust and they trust that it really works and Mm -hmm. then they want to go out and buy it. So Mm -hmm. to me, an influencer is somebody who like can stick to their integrity so that they are coming from that place where it's like, no, I really do stand behind this product. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's making me believe and want to try it myself. Yeah. And I think it's just that connection to the audience and it builds trust to Carlene's point. And even if you look at somebody like an Emily Weiss, how she created Glossier, she created a whole community of trust with Into the Gloss as a stepping stone. Maybe she knew or didn't know at the time that she was going to create Glossier, but it didn't matter. She created this hub of trust and people like, what's the best cleanser and what's this and what's that? And it's that community and the connection that she was able to create was then this like amazing platform to like launch a whole brand and people backed her up. And I think she just had that aspirational quality to Emily personally. She has that and the photography echoed that and all of that. It kind of comes down to branding too, doesn't it? You know, if it's all, if all things are firing to, and they're, they're sort of like recommitting your message or you're just, you know, you're like, this is what we're about. And you say it on every single level. I think that that is like very powerful influence. And one of the very first things we did when we started a podcast is like, we got a logo, we made a tagline, we mm-hmm. carved out a niche. We were like, what is no one else doing? And that in and of itself lays that groundwork to then, you know, have that trust and connection with your audience, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree with you. I think, you know, when we when we reference influence too, like I always see community. You know, I always mm-hmm. see 
you know, the people that are impacted by your words or by your brand or by your products or the services that Mm -hmm. you're doing. But, you know, I I totally agree with you guys. And I also love the idea of the like the OG like word of mouth, because I think that's Mm -hmm. super true, too. I mean, nowadays, we're looking to these influencers, you know, we're looking to their references. And like you said, they're we're ha- they're having a purchase power effect over us or even not even yeah more- i will look yeah i'll literally like have use code whatever in my head all the time because <laughs> i just listen to podcasts so much use code who like when i listen to who weekly that's another of my favorites it's like wow it's it's crazy how much i'm rec- recalling it, it it totally is i mean that's even a branding power in it in itself right yeah, it's the discount yeah. codes yeah, <laughs> it really is. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I love it. You guys have been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and just chatting with me and having your morning with me. It's our, it's our pleasure. Thanks for inviting us. Of course, of course. Well, thanks for going under the influence. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much. Thank you.